here at Moms on Call, we are certainly known for getting babies to sleep. And between the two of us, we have gotten eight of our own children to sleep through the night. Plus, I mean, literally thousands and thousands of other families that we've partnered with over the years. Our resources have reached so many people. But one of my favorite things is the little counter that's on the website now. That's how many million hours of sleep. (laughs) I can't even count that high for sure. So it's so much fun to watch that. And one of the big transitions, we talk a lot about transitions and there's always, it seems like every time we turn around, there's a transition. But one of the big transitions is transitioning to that toddler bed. And we have all been there. I remember my oldest son. Now, if you're familiar with the Moms on Call um, Toddler by Design app and the five primary motivators of toddlers, he was social, so, so social. And Jennifer, can I just say he is still social? Yes. I mean, he <laughs> loves the people and people love him. So it goes both ways. They really did. I told him, I said, you can do anything that you want in your life. But the one thing that you cannot do is please don't be a cult leader. Like, please don't use your power of influence and how much people like you for evil. Just use it for good. That's all we're looking for. That is good but, advice. <laughs> right. <laughs> He'll tell you that to this day. But um, one of the things that he did when we transferred him out of the crib and into the toddler bed was he put his little fingers underneath the door and he would just say, mommy, I want people. (laughs) And he'd have been fine. Any people would have done. Could have been a stranger. He didn't care. He just loved people. But we were able to really put a sustainable routine in place for him because if he had the choice between sleep or people, he's always going to pick people. So what we had to do is get him used to that sustainable routine of nighttime, not having the additional stimulation of the thing that he just loved the most. And we gave him people all day long. And then he had twin brothers. So boy, did he ever get the people. The Lord heard his cry. (laughs) He gave him more people. Um, But Today, we're going to talk about getting that transition, the easiest, simplest way to not make some unsustainable habits when you go from crib to toddler bed. We've been there. You are not alone. And here are some ways today that we can do it to make it easier in your household. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Hey moms, this is Erica from Kentucky. And my question for you guys today is about transitioning my son to a toddler bed. So, you know, do I start prepping him by talking about it or do we just put him in a big bed and hope for the best? I've heard a lot about bed railings. Um, Is that something you recommend? Should I buy those? Honestly, I'm just nervous he's going to fall out of the bed or that he'll get out of the bed and wander around the house looking for us in the dark. Any suggestions you have would be super helpful. Thank you guys so much. 
Erica, we have all been there. Not only us personally, but we have walked with this question thousands of times over personally. And you know what? It is. It's one of those transitions that just seem like, Jennifer, it just seems overwhelming. And and just trying to manage all the information out there and do it in a way that we know that our kids can handle. We know that they can do this. It's just a bump in the road. It's just one of those things that has to happen because, look, I had, okay, Blake was 10 months old. Guys, 10 months old. And he was climbing out of his crib into the crib with his brother. We had to go to those toddler beds earlier than I would ever recommend unless absolutely necessary because it does. It gives them this freedom, right? This whole now instead of just having their crib, which is, you know, that safe environment. Now they have this huge room that they can explore. And there were two in one room. Well, I'd like to really give you an opportunity to consider this in an entirely new way. So um, one of the kids' books that um, will be coming out soon, The New Bed Mumbo Jumbo, talks about the possibility that this isn't a big stressful event for them. Like, they're really looking forward to it. Not only can I stay in this room by myself, but I get a bigger bed. I get access to explore a bit. And once they've exhausted that access, and kind of, you know, taken their tour of their room and explored some of that new freedom. They really don't want much more than that step to opening it up to from crib to room. So we want to keep that door shut and we are unapologetic about keeping the sleep environment safe. And so that door being shut and locked from the hallway side seems so difficult for a lot of people. But oftentimes we'll say, well, you know, nobody balked at keeping them in the crib and that had bars in the same way that the crib limits access to the room. Now the room's going to limit access to the house. So they just can't have access to a house with running water and knives and electricity when parents are asleep. Right. Well, and not even only that, Jennifer, but, and this is just part of the not so fun stuff that, that we just have to talk about is, you know, emergencies happen. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to go to one area and search that smaller room to find my kid if I need to get out of the house. And so one of the ways that we can ensure that that happens is shutting that door, locking it from the outside until they are old enough to follow a safety plan, right? Which is get themselves out, get out of the house and go to our meeting spot. Um, and, And that's sometimes five, six, seven years old before they can do those things. So let's really make sure that our kids can can get out of the house in the event of a fire or an emergency. And, and until then, we're going to shut that door and lock it from the inside. And one of the things- From the outside. Is, from the outside, <laughs> lock it from the outside. And one of those We want things, them to lock it from the inside because we can't get in. That's why we turn the, the um, yeah handle around. <laughs> That's a dual purpose, right? Because how many times has our kids locked us from coming yes. into the room? Hello. So turn those doorknobs around, lock it from the outside. But we do want that room to be safe. We need it to be childproof to things that you may not have ever even thought about. 
There are lots of resources out there to insure. I think we have some blog posts that are really, really good on ensuring that that we're crossing all those I's or yeah, crossing all those T's and dotting those I's and making sure that we are, are making the safest environment possible because now they do have this freedom. Well, and we're always about safety first. Um, and the other thing that's really important is not only are they capable of doing this, but we are going to allow our confidence to be contagious in the appropriate times right before bed. We're going to be repetitive and tell them what they're capable of. And then in the morning, we're going to handle whatever went on in that room and however they explored this environment, pulled all their clothes out of the hamper and you know threw them all over the floor or fell asleep in front of the door. This is something that's really popular. And so you know, in those first couple nights, as they're getting used to this new space, we address whatever went on the night before the next morning so that we keep that nighttime engagement-free. You are the most interesting thing. And much like my oldest son, sometimes many of these kids would pick people over sleep, engagement over sleep, if they know that's a possibility. And here's one of those transitions where if they just don't know any different, if they don't know that they can come into your bed or you're going to come into, you know, squeeze your body into a little toddler bed, we can go through that transition in about three days. And then, you know, I love you. I believe in you. I'll see you when the sun comes up. We close that door, lock it from the hallway side. We allow them some time to explore this great, new, exciting area, fall asleep when they <laughs> fall asleep. And the next morning we come in and we say, oh, you didn't have to sleep in front of this door. You could have slept on that bed all night and been great at it. Or you didn't have to pull all this laundry out and throw it everywhere when you'd have been great at just sleeping in that bed all night. You're, you'll get the hang of it. But you sound so confident as you were saying that. Where do you find that confidence as a parent of a toddler? I mean, because our body language truly plays such a huge part when we're communicating with our toddlers, when we're communicating with our teenagers, when we're communicating <laughs> with our adult kids. Look, it doesn't happen all the time. That's why we give you the words, because it's like going to acting class. Sometimes you have to take a deep breath right outside the door. Go, okay, whatever I see in there, I'm going to do my best. And, you know, just again, if you're prepared for that, then no matter what happens on the other side of that door, you just have two phrases. Oh, you didn't have to do this. You could done that and you'll be great at it. We move on. Cause if we make too much of a big deal about it, then that's contagious. And then oftentimes that behavior will be repeated. And that's over what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. Like we've had a three to five day transition. They're in their room. They're safe. We have sustainable nighttime routines that serve the whole family. And we don't want to get into that habit of engaging in the middle of the night or having to bring them back into the room 10 times over. Um, you know, and we can avoid those things, but if you get into those situations, we can get out of those as well. There is no perfect right way to do it. There's just ways where we can be actually be able to give them the confidence to do the things that we know that we're they they are entirely capable of doing. So when you're ready to go there, when you're ready to do that transition, either they threw a leg up and they were right. I was in a consult one time where we were talking about transferring to the toddler bed and we're downstairs and literally in the middle of talking to the sweet family we're here. And that child had gotten out of their crib and, you know, just 
ended up on the floor. Totally fine. The child was unharmed. But that changes the direction of your, your console. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we do Oops. spring it on them. Like we're yeah. just, you remember at the pediatrician's office and we will be like, I told them two days ago to get them ready for this shot. <laughs> like, no, please don't. It's best just to be like, hey, we're going to do this right now. And we do it. So you're not lying. You're just using that timing to your advantage and theirs. So put the bed in there that day and that day you go, hey, this is awesome. Like we have put this big kid bed in there. You're going to sleep in there and you are going to be great at it. This is going to be so much fun for you. And I love you. I believe in you. And I'll see you when the sun comes up. Hi, my name's Lauren. I'm calling from Florida. I have a 16th month, 16th, 16 month old and um, we are having trouble with our naps. Um, I put her down at 12 o'clock and she is waking up consistently at one hour and screaming, crying and is so mad for at least an hour. So would love to get some help on that because it has been very stressful. Thank you. Well, we get this nap question. And it is exhausting sometimes trying to tweak and figure out where that sweet spot is. Some 16-month olds will be great at sleeping just an hour and they're fine and they're happy and content. And sometimes they need two or three hour naps, especially when we're down to that one nap a day. And I mean, this, according to the information that we have, Jennifer, there's a couple of things that we can do to really try and help that. Well, first of all, the struggle is real. So um, I think of a couple of things. Number one, um, oftentimes if they don't sleep well at nap time, instinctively parents will put them to bed earlier um, at night because they get crankier at night if they don't get that full nap. Um, So what we want to do is we want to maintain the 24-hour clock so that they're not going to bed earlier or sleeping later in the morning. So that other time that we really want to focus on is actually the time that they wake up in the morning. And so if that's running a little bit too late, sometimes bringing that back about a half an hour improves that nap in the middle of the day. Um, So there's some adjustments that we can make just to the timing of that. Um, But, you know, how we're managing and handling some of that in the time that they're actually having this experience, it sounds like you've been really great. You know how long it takes for like her to get that energy out at the end of the nap. So the other thing I would say is we want to give opportunities prior to the nap for her to get that energy out. Like sometimes they just really do. They have a lot of mental energy and physical energy. And when they wake up at that very normal twilight sleep time, 30 to 45 minutes into a nap, they are just trying to work out some of that internal energy. So being able to provide some of those activities there in the front of the day um, can also be really helpful. Then we'll talk a little bit more about the sleep environment, Laura. Let's make sure that those elements are in place. Yeah. So let's make sure that, you know, it's a safe environment in the crib, nothing else in that crib but her. And let's make sure we're using the right sound machine. Sometimes that sound machine, some people at this age, they don't use the sound machine and that's fine as long as the sleep habits are still intact. But at 16 months of age, this nap's really rough. Make sure you're using a really good sound machine until we get through that transition and then time and opportunity. 
and it's an hour and a half minimum, three hours maximum as a general rule of thumb. So even if we have an hour of sleep, then, you know, she's just really upset. Let that last a half an hour, then keep the rest of the schedule on time. Make sure nighttime's happening according to the mom's on-call routine and morning is happening according to the mom's on-call routine. And so we'll probably still have our good nap days and our bad nap days, but, you know, it's not completely that far off. Hi, my name is Deanna. I am from Wake Forest, North Carolina. Um, I have a three-week-old baby, and we are starting to try to get her on the um, napping and feeding schedule, but we're wondering what we're supposed to do when soothing doesn't work at night or during naps. Do we just soothe for some amount of time and leave her crying and restart the timer? And what also should we do when she has been fed, changed, but is still crying and not falling asleep after soothing? So such a sweet, sweet, sweet time. And at three weeks of, of age, we're still just trying to learn this thing, right? But there are some things we want to make sure that are in place. We want to make sure that we're keeping those C times. So we're feeding at 9 a.m. And, and you should be on that two to four week routine. So the next C time is that 6 p.m. So those are pretty much written in stone is what we say. So no matter what, we're hitting those times. We want to make sure that we're swaddling correctly. So look at that swaddle. Not all swaddles are created the same. And I will say some kids could care less. They'll do fine. But we have really uh, seen where our swaddle can make such a huge difference. So make sure you're double checking that swaddle and doing that correctly. And the last little piece of that puzzle is the right sound machine. Sometimes we're using a sheep that makes a sound and turns off at 45 minutes. So we want to make sure that we're using the right sound machine. And then keeping them up long enough, right? We, we give you a, a little bit of a range, but sometimes if you tweak that just a little bit, keep them up just a little bit longer, and then begin your pre-nap routine swaddle correctly and get them down. But we know that sometimes they're still just fussy. Well, and the other thing that I think about what we run into really often is the amount of time that the feeding is taken. So sometimes Laura and I talk about this, it's harder, um, you know, when we don't have all the information, but if the feedings are bleeding in past 30 to 45 minutes, then they get overstimulated and then they won't go down for the nap as you were talking about, um, because it just takes so much energy to get the feeding. So we want to make sure that our feedings right at three weeks are 30 minutes or under per feeding and that we have the right bottle system if you're doing the bottles and that we have, you know, all the help with the lactation if you're doing breastfeeding so that we're not burping too often for too long and allowing this feeding to take so long that it just, they're overstimulated and have trouble sleeping. The other thing is often and like Laura said, the swaddle issue. And we're going to try and feed about every three hours at this age. But yeah, making sure that you hit those C times on the schedule as reset points, that's really going to be helpful as you guys really just start to graciously move into starting these routines and having all those elements in place. And if you are still having trouble after making some of these little um adjustments that Laura and I are talking about, then let us know at Moms on Call and we can have a consultant just go over all of the details so that we can make sure you are set up to have the success that you hear about here on this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. 
If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.